Dr. Haley Schaff. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. And uh, happy new year because we chatted and uh, I was fortunate enough to be a guest on your podcast last year, which was, you know, weeks ago now, but uh, it seems like longer. So anyway, I hope you had a good relaxing break. Same to you. Yeah, that was, I think, beginning mid-December maybe, but yeah, Yeah. your episode's going to be coming out in a few weeks. So if we record this like middle of January, it should be coming out by the end. Sweet. So our, uh, our respective, uh, listeners will get plenty of us over the next little while. And I hope they like it. Um, so I have some kind of big topics that I really wanted to discuss with you, but first I think I'd love for you to kind of just give our listeners just a little bit of info on your background and what you do. Um, cause I think it would be more valuable coming from you than if I just like read out your bio. So tell us about the work that you do. For sure. Sure. So I have been really into health and fitness my whole life. I was an athlete all growing up. I was an athlete in college, really interested in how can I feel my body for performance. And then kind of, as I've gotten older, I had, you know, my own health struggles, acne, digestive stuff, irregular periods, like all the stuff from like, "Mm, this doesn't seem normal. And I'm really not into the whole, let's just take a pill for every ill type thing that you have going on. So um, I really became interested in hormones, especially when I was in uh, chiropractic school, really learning about like your metabolism, nutrient depletions. And I was like, I don't think I'm healing my hormones on being on birth control. Like, I think it's just masking my symptoms of, you know, why I was getting acne. It's not helping that in the first place. So that really kind of led me down this whole rabbit hole of this whole natural healing, hormone balancing, trying to heal yourself from within. So that's obviously a huge thing reason why I do what I do now, because I'm so passionate about it. I learned so much through my own journey and I've done so much extending research into that. So, um, and I love bridging the gaps between like, I was an athlete my whole life. I love fitness. I love being strong. I love training and working out like an athlete, but I also understand the natural side of things. Whereas I don't feel those two worlds are necessarily always bridged. Like people in the holistic world would be like, just do yoga, just do Pilates. Like we got to take it easy. We can never stress our nervous system. We can never do anything like that. And I'm not saying that's everybody, but I feel like people get that just a lot. And then the fitness world, it's, you know, shitty supplement ingredients sometimes. Like, I mean, I've have abs no matter what. Yeah. Have abs no matter what, like, it's okay. If you lose your period, like take all these things, as long as you look jack and shredded, like you got to be, you're healthy. Um, and you know, I like taking, okay, we can be strong. We can be lean. We can look and feel good in our bodies, but also be taking care of our internal side. So I really love merging those two because I don't think if you just have one or the other, I think if you have both, you are truly in a good place in my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I think, you know, and one of the things we can get into more later, it's like you said, fitness and like health and wellness are not the same. They are not an Mm -hmm. overlapping Venn diagram. Um, It would be great if they were, but, you know, that's not the case. And I think so much of it is, you know, our tendency to be attracted to or move to like the extremes instead of finding this like middle Mm -hmm. ground where we can kind of be optimizing all of it Um, and at risk of going off on a tangent. But this is kind of just like it's coming up to me right now because it was just happening recently and it's related on social media, like a follower, you know, internet friend of mine had forwarded me this um, post from like a, a 
it was a male, I don't know if that matters, but like a male, the woman, a woman sent it to me, but it was like a male fitness professional basically talking about how women having six packs, generally speaking, isn't healthy. And it isn't healthy for them to have six packs all the time, most of the time for most women. And this woman, I saw that video. So this woman forwarded to me and she's like, what kind of bullshit is this guy talking about? That's, that's nonsense. She kind of, I think she wanted me to be like, yeah, like we can have six packs if we want to. And I was like, I'm sorry to tell you, like, he's not wrong. You know, like there is, there's a wide range of healthy, um, body fat percentages and different women. Some women are naturally lean and some women aren't just like men, whatever. But the reality is, you know, most women it is not healthy or sustainable to have a full six pack all the time. Doesn't mean you can't get there temporarily. Some people never will. Some people can quite easily, whatever. But I think the other thing, again, is like the the semantics that we want to go to the extremes because that doesn't mean, okay, well, women have to be 35% body fat and you're never going to look lean and you can't be toned and just forget about it. It's like, and people, you know, I've had people say to me when I've said that, I've had people say like, well, you have a six pack. And I'm like, first of all, I have had a visible six pack very temporarily with a lot of work, knowing it wasn't going to be permanent. And do I have a visible six pack right now? Absolutely not. I might have some muscle definition. You might see like a little line here. You might see like a little something. That's a six pack. Confused between those two. I think they get like, just because you can see your abs doesn't mean that's unhealthy for you. Like I can see my, my abs right now, but like, I don't have a six pack. Like you can't see each individual muscle. Um, and it's definitely a spectrum. And I, I feel like people get confused between, okay, if I can see any type of core definition, that's a six pack, or I just have to be fluffy all the time or not have like, you can, you, there's a way you can maybe find both, but you got to do it in a healthy way. Yeah. And I do understand too, that like, sometimes people just don't like strangers, especially men saying what women can't do or shouldn't do. So I get that that. a hundred percent. Um, but like listening to what he's actually saying, like it's a, it's a, it's an appropriate and an accurate message. Anyway, back to our topic. Um, so what, what's like a work day look like with you? Like, do you work one-on-one with individual clients? Um, they come Mm -hmm. to you because they're having hormonal issues or specific health issues and they think you can help. Like, how does that work? Yeah. So, I mean, my practice has definitely changed a lot in the last few years. So, um, at first, you know, going to chiropractic school, I'm like, I'm going to open up brick and mortar. I'm going to see people in the office and I got my master's in nutritional long. So I always knew I was going to incorporate some type of functional health within my practice, whatever, um, whatever I was doing, but then obviously COVID hit and the world kind of shut down. So that's kind of where my virtual practice really flourished. Um, it gave me a lot of time to really dive into functional testing and all these different things that I do now. So in terms of like a typical day, um, I usually see patients in the office or remotely most days of the week. Um, some days are just dedicated to admin because, you know, uh, solopreneur here, we do all the things I edit my pot, like so many different Mm -hmm. things, but yeah, I love seeing people both in office and virtually it's great. I can really extend my reach I mean, nationally and internationally, which is so cool. Um, but I podcast, I have a membership. So it's, I like being able to kind of have tears because it's really passionate. I'm really passionate about trying to make functional health accessible. And I know that it's, you know, functional tests aren't cheap. Um, usually working with a functional practitioner isn't cheap because honestly, we have the insurance game and 
insurance doesn't reimburse for what we do. And so we usually take cash and therefore it's more expensive. And so I like being able to have tiers of like, here's all the free information. Here's, you know, an easy entry membership platform, but then, you know, if we do want to work one-on-one, we, I, I try to have scalable options because I do understand that's a barrier. Um, and honestly, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I love what I do. My practice is always evolving and, uh, I'm learning new things. I'm I'm learning new testing, learning new protocols to implement. So I, I really enjoy it. And are folks working with you on like the chiropractic side and then also like hormonal testing? Like how would, how does that work? So I do see people like usually, I mean, I've had a lot of people who come see me for chiropractic and they're like, I actually want to dive deeper. So we do a little bit more like uh, deeper intake of kind of those separate things, but usually it's like a, it's a chiropractic appointment or it's a, you know, a functional health type appointment where we're really diving into those different things. So I see both, um, obviously Cairo, I do, I do just solely in the office. Cause I'm, I know some of my colleagues are doing like rehab and all that kind of stuff virtually, which is cool, but I like being able to put my hands on somebody and like really see what's going on. Uh, it's terms of the chiropractic guide, the functional health side is like that's intake. That's really thorough history. We're reading over any lab work. We're really taking like a deep nutritional intake. So those are separate, but both are done in office. And then the nutrition or the functional side is all done virtual as well. So, um, I do both. And some people who see me for Cairo end up doing one or the other, maybe someone sees me, we want to fix their hormones. and like, actually, like I have some soreness, I have some low back stuff. So, I mean, people definitely go back and forth between the two. Mm-hmm. And I know obviously things are sort of different in the States and in Canada where I am, but, um, would you find yourself working like alongside a, someone's physician or medical doctor? Are you allowed to, like, if we're talking about things like Dutch tests or like, mm-hmm. I don't know, allergy tests or things like that, like, are you allowed to receive those and interpret those and go through those with an individual mm-hmm. So like, how does that work with like what you're doing versus what like a typical medical doctor would do? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to be as integrative as possible. Um, some providers are more open to it than others. You know, some people just want to be like on the conventional side, which is fine. Um, but then, you know, there's a lot of times where I'll tell somebody something like, Hey, I'm not necessarily communicating with their doctor, but I'm kind of Hey, make sure you tell your doctor that we're doing this or Mm -hmm. run this by them to see that this would be okay. I mean, again, and some of them are open to it and some of them are like, I just want to stick with what we're doing. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's totally up to the patient or client. Like it's their right to choose whatever they most feel aligned with. But in terms of functional testing, I pretty much run it all Dutch hormone testing, stool testing, minerals, uh, like pretty much any of the functional tests, um, blood work. I usually tell people if you can get them done from your primary provider, it works good that way. Cause then they hopefully can get it covered under insurance. Cause with me, it's, it's more out of pocket, which is if people want to do it, cause they want it run then they, they do it. But, um, in that sense, yeah, we're, I'm kind of, we're, we're working back and forth to see with what they can get run, what, what their doctor, what script they'll write. Um, but yeah, I, I really do feel like integrative is integrative as we can be is, is really where I feel the health of our world honestly needs to be. I feel like we, Mm. there's a time and a place for conventional, but there's also a a time and a place for, you know, more naturopathic functional round. So it it really, I feel like is best when go both Mm -hmm. go together. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it jives more than others, but yeah, yeah, all in all, I, being able to have that communication between both is important. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's start talking about some hormone stuff. You 
Okay. You mentioned birth control and we can talk about that, but I, I gotta say one of the reasons, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on is that one of the most common questions I get over and over again from podcast listeners, from folks who are um, interested in Rachel and my, our strength training program, muscle science for women, any work that I do question keeps coming up over and over again. And it's essentially, how do I optimize body composition, build muscle, gain strength, whatever in parallel with my hormonal health, as I enter into my forties, menopause, mm -hmm. et cetera. Now, neither of us, and this is a problem because Rachel too, none of us are at that stage in our life yet. So I sometimes feel like I do a ton of research. I, I feel like I have some information, whatever, but like, I'm always like, these women are looking for help from a bunch of like 30 somethings who have not experienced it. And I can only speak in very general terms. Um, but it's obviously an issue. It's a concern. It's women's hormonal profiles and their reactions to how they eat and sleep and work out are changing as they age and they don't know what the heck to do. So do you have much experience in that area? Are you mostly working with like reproductive age twenties, thirties, or are you working with women as they get older? And like, let's, can we dive into that? Mm -hmm. I, to answer your question, I would say it's definitely a mix of both. I'd say I see a lot I see a lot of post-birth control. I see a lot of wanting to improve fertility. I see a want to like, and improve hormones postpartum or, you know, within their three, I see a lot of that. That's, I probably say, I don't want to say the majority because I do see a lot of menopause too, but I would say if we had to say maybe 60 to 70% that 40 to 30, 30 to 40% of, you know, the menopausal side, but I, I do see both. And it's, I'd say my biggest advice is whatever, wherever you are at now, the more that you can balance things, it's going to, so if you can, if you're in your twenties, thirties, the better that your hormones are now, you are going to be in such a better place where menopause doesn't have to be a drag because usually like everything that we do is going to be catching up to us. So you just destroy your body or you don't take care of your hormones or you're eating low fat, all these diet foods all throughout your 20s, 30s. It might not affect you, but it is going to affect you at some point in your life. So when it's not addressed and then those hormones tank and fluctuate, you're left to deal with it because it's the same thing with like having your period. Having your period every month honestly should not be a, a whole production. It's, mm -hmm. you know, you might feel a little bit more tired. You might not feel as energetic. Um, you might maybe feel some things kind of going on, but like you shouldn't be bedridden with cramps. That's, yeah. that's more, that's not essentially normal. Like you should get it and be able to kind of function throughout your day and not dread it. Mm -hmm. Same kind of thing with menopause. Like you shouldn't, it shouldn't be like this doomsday part of, you know, our, our, our cycle, or our life that we just dread. And if we're dreading it, that's kind of a sign that like, there's some imbalances we want to look at and tying that back to your portion of you know, body comp with hormones, you can have both. Um, there is probably, there might be a time where like, if you've been dieting your whole life or you've been constantly under eating, you are, might need to refeed and reverse diet a little bit to like make your thyroid a little bit happier, get a regular functioning cycle. But once things are in tandem and really working together, there's no one. I mean, you can totally have both. I see issues with weight being a sign of a bigger issue going on. Obviously, you know, you can't be just eating as many calories in the world and eating 5,000 calories a day and junk food. Of course, that's, you know, a problem. But if you're being like, I'm eating, you know, my macros perfectly, I'm eating, I'm really prioritizing protein. Like I'm working out, the scale's not moving. 
that's a good sign to me. Like there's a bigger imbalance that we need to look at. Is your body overstressed? What's your cortisol look like? You know, do you have any symptoms menstrually? You know, what's going on? Because that there, there's always a reason. And our body's just trying to tell us something, especially if we've kind of like checked off all the basic things, as long as those things can be addressed, there's no reason that says you can't have both. And it, like I said, it's not going to be, you know, an overnight thing. I, you know, I got a regular period. That means my hormones are balanced and that means my weight should be exactly where I want to be. I mean, it, it can totally be a fluctuating journey, but it is possible. I mean, I feel like I'm happy to say I'm at a point where I don't really have to worry about, I mean, my lifestyle doesn't really change my, it's always a work in progress, right? It's not just like you get to this point and you throw everything away. Like I always see it as a journey. So I guess, as I say, like, I don't have to necessarily work on or worry about, you know, gaining and losing because I pretty much keep things consistent, but you know, you can be at a place where you're happy with what you look like. You can crush your workouts with prioritizing rest and recovery and keeping your hormones in mind, but you definitely can have both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you touched on a couple of important things here and one being, I guess, big advice to give women in their twenties and thirties is like, don't waste time restricting and starving yourself and chronic cardio and beating the shit out of your body just because maybe you can handle it now or because your priorities are being lean and toned because that is going to just compound when you get older and when we all eventually smarten up and decide that like muscle and health is more important than being skinny, you know, like Mm -hmm. how many times I have heard people, professionals in the fitness industry, everybody say, I wish I had not spent so much time in my twenties, just eating salads and being hungry all the time. Like, and you know, and I've heard people say like, I don't care if my cycles messed up. I'm not trying to have a baby right now. It's like, first of all, that there's so many issues with that. And even if you never want to have a baby, you want a healthy cycle. It's like a vital sign. It's like saying, I don't care if my blood pressure is continuously horrible, or I don't care if my, you know, exactly. like it, it literally is a vital sign. Like whether you want to have kids or not, yeah. your period is a crucial piece to your overall health. Yes. Crucial. And, you know, I have lots of, I've had lots of older clients, older meaning older than me, I guess. So I don't want to say older clients, but like, you know, <laughs> women in their forties and fifties who yeah. they come to me and they say, I'm eating perfectly. I exercise all the time. I take all these supplements and I still have like this little bit of belly fat or I can't build muscle. And it's almost always And I don't, I don't, um, monitor people's hormone levels. I don't, you know, read Dutch tests or whatever, but it's always that they're too stressed out. And it's like, I I was just going to say it's their cortisol. Cause like I had this the other day, I read a Dutch test and it's like, she's like, I'm doing CrossFit about five to six days a week. Um, and I looked at her calorie intake and I don't know, maybe she's at 1500, maybe, maybe. And I'm like, you're overstressing yourself. You're going to hold weight in your midsection because that's where cortisol loves to go. You're postmenopausal. So your ovaries are not making estrogen and progesterone that is up to your adrenals. You're overstressing your adrenals. It's no wonder you're having hot flashes and you don't feel very good. It's, it's like, I'm trying to, um, completely sort of switch my approach with some of these clients now. And I mentioned this in a previous podcast where I'm essentially trying to like program, de-stressing activities the way I would program strength training. Because if I tell most Mm -hmm. of these women, you need to incorporate relaxation into your life, they'll be like, no, 
because I don't want to do that. That doesn't seem active enough. It seems boring. It's not sexy. It like it's not sexy. Like I mean, you can fun. make it sexy though, guys. Come you on. can like you can. But if I'm like if I'm like okay, like Monday through Friday, thirty minutes first thing in the morning, go do this. And the this is like sitting and quietly breathing and reading. But like if I if I like make it seem like it's an active thing they have to do because that is true. Like it is part of your lifestyle. It's part of your self-care routine. It's part of your programming. It should be part of your strength training fitness program, just as working out and lifting weights and doing cardio or whatever it is you're doing these downtime, like it's so crucial. And I just, I don't know how else to, except for saying it over and over and over again and living it too. I don't know how else to get through to people. And like, you'd think I, you know, I said even earlier, like, you know, women in their twenties and thirties, like we need to smarten up and like learn from our mistakes, but these are women in their forties and fifties who are still doing the same thing. They, they just cannot yep. relax. Break they the cannot cycle. step back. And I just, I don't know what we can do culturally as a, as a group to really get it, to really, really get it. I just don't, I don't know. Hey everybody, excuse me while I interrupt this awesome interview very briefly to say a few words about our show sponsors. And look, you can fast forward through this, but maybe consider not doing that and making this like your good deed for the day because these guys support the show and allow us to keep putting out free content for you. So it's kind of a big deal and we really appreciate them. This is a kind of protein-packed episode today. Our first sponsor is a new one, not new to me, but new to the show, Bubs Naturals. You guys probably already know about them. They're really well known for their high-quality collagen powdered MCT products and giving 10% of their earnings to charities supporting veterans, which is a massive deal and something that is very rarely seen. So I support them uh, for the work that they do, regardless of whether they're sponsoring the show or not, but they have recently launched some new products, including their origin blend coffee beans. They have a dark roast and a medium roast. I've been trying them at home. They're really, really high quality, really fresh, really good coffee. And so basically now they're a one-stop shop for getting the caffeine into your body in a healthy collagen MCT boosted fashion. Um, They will be coming out with some new products too, in addition to the coffee that I'm really excited about. We can't talk about it yet, but if you need to re-up on some collagen, if you want some uh, some new coffee options, check them out at bubsnaturals.com and you get a full 20% off your order with the code MSW20. Our other sponsor is Active Stacks. These guys go pretty well together actually because Active Stacks make really high quality beef protein isolate. They've got two flavors, vanilla and chocolate. Chocolate is my favorite, but both both flavors are made with real ingredients. So actual cocoa, actual vanilla paste, not that like random natural flavoring ingredient that you don't know what it actually is. Um, so it tastes real. It doesn't have that weird aftertaste that, that, you know, is kind of seen in a lot of protein powders. The chocolate flavor is probably the best tasting protein powder I've ever had. And as a meathead, I've tried a lot. It goes really well, whether you're making shakes, it goes um, well into baking. I've been making like chocolate zucchini muffins for my kid and putting the active stacks in it really good. Another good thing about this product is that beef protein is often for most people easier to digest than whey protein. Um, and of course it's going to taste better than the plant proteins out there. Look, we all know those taste kind of like dirt. It's too bad. Um, but this product is also high in glycine. It's a really important amino acid. That's a good building block for collagen. Um, 
can help with muscle building and help with recovery and all of those things. So consider maybe putting some chocolate active stacks into your morning bubs coffee. I'm a genius. Okay. If you want to know more about active stacks, you can go to activestacks.com and use the code MSW10 to save. You're welcome. Back to the show. We need to make self-care sexy again, because like there's, it's like, it's not just what you look like in the mirror, in the gym. Like it's, it is so much more. I was literally just talking about this the other day and they know that it's, they know they shouldn't be doing it. I was talking such a high level. She's an entrepreneur, high achiever, like hormones tanked, cortisol high. I mean, she's, I may be lucky if she's eating one whole food meal a day. And I was like, you, you gotta, you got, we gotta eat. And she's like, I know. She's like, I know I have to eat, but I'm like, now it's like, how can we get you to eat more? It's just, I mean, cortisol, we are just such a cortisol driven society. We love cortisol. It's what makes us feel productive. It's what makes us like we go, go, go. But like cortisol can only be there for so long before it tanks and you feel crappy and you're going to hold weight in your midsection and other parts of your body because your body is like, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm holding on to it because I have no idea what's going on. And yeah. that people, once you kind of get people to realize that, I feel like that's like, okay, now how, how can you program it into your day? Or how can you yeah. add just little things that just chill your nervous system out a little bit? Because it's just as important to fat and body composition goals as cardio or weight training or protein intake. Like I see it as just as important, if not depending more. on the situation, sometimes even more important. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I could just get clients to be like, just do this for me for three months, like you're paying me Tell as me a coach or whatever, like just commit to it. Because again, and I, I say this over and over again, but like, if you're paying me or you or anyone for their help and their expertise, chances are it's because whatever you're doing isn't working for you. And if mm -hmm. I tell you, yeah, sure. Just keep doing what you're doing. Like just do the CrossFit and That's don't eat that money. much. What, what are you gaining from that? So like, even if it makes you uncomfortable, even if the idea of replacing three workouts with yoga or a hot bath or like it, whatever, like just do it for me for a few months. <laughs> And then see, and maybe your body composition improves. Maybe you're sleeping better. Maybe your mood improves. Maybe your appetite goes up. Mm. Maybe your libido goes up. Maybe your life is like exactly. drastically improved and then you believe it and then you can do it. And then maybe there's a ripple effect where you tell your other stressed out friends to do it. And it's like, that's how it starts. But you got to like be able to take that step, like just jump off that cliff into the relaxing abyss and like see what happens. But man, it's hard. It's so hard. You to have to, it's, it. I was just talking about this with a patient in the office this morning. Um, she came and saw me postpartum and holding on to stuff. I mean, like, I mean, postpartum it's, it's takes all your nutrients. It takes all your minerals. It is a stress, like a beautiful, but stressful process, as you know. And she came from this world diet culture macros. Like I need to, the more that I work out and the more intensely I work out, the faster I'm going to lose this weight. I was like, I only want you doing three to four days a week max. And I don't want you doing intense Peloton rides, all of those, like mixing some strength training. She's like, so getting her to understand the less is more was definitely a flat for her. But I, a month later, she's like, I'm down so much inflammation. I've lost weight, like effortlessly. I haven't changed anything. If anything, she was eating more nutrient dense foods, less inflammatory foods. I mean, and it's not rocket science and I'm not saying she's hundred percent now, right? Like we're in this journey where, you know, there's hormone fluctuations. She's ebbing and flowing, but like getting her to flip that switch and her trusting the process, she saw results, not saying whoever's listening to this, you're going to see results in four weeks, just like, but you, you will feel and see your body change. 
sometimes that stagnant weight that you don't see move, so that's, that could be inflammation. Yes. And when your body's inflamed, it's not like you need to pound it harder. You know, sometimes you got to take it down, Epsom salt bath, sweat, calm your nervous system down. Cause all of that cortisol is not mm. doing your metabolism any justice. Can you talk a little bit about, cause that this inflammation piece is huge because yes, I mean, again, there's a big difference between someone who is 30, 40, 50 plus pounds overweight and is looking for a movement and nutrition plan to lose excess body fat. And the, again, lean 50 year old who does six CrossFit workouts a week and has like a little belly, like that's probably inflammation for the most part. Right. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of times, and a lot of times we don't, we're walking around inflamed and we don't realize it until we make changes that reduce the inflammation. And we're like, Oh, whew, like I look better. Mm -hmm. I feel better. I'm not whatever. Um, how is the inflammation connected to like hormones, like cortisol, or like, mm. I want to talk about like the thyroid thing, like how cortisol and the thyroid are connected. Cause it's, it's kind of confusing to me, even somebody who's been in this world and, and read about it and heard about it from so many different people. Like, I don't know how all this stuff is connected. So can you kind of talk about that? The inflammation yeah. piece as it relates to hormonal health? Yeah. So I think of it as like a pyramid. So this might be oversimplified, but it, it makes sense. And it's, physiologically accurate. So at the top of the pyramid, like your most important, the top dogs would be insulin, like your blood sugar and cortisol, your insulin and your blood sugar are controlling everything else down the pyramid. So insulin is controlling thyroid. Insulin is controlling progesterone, estrogen, testosterone. It's controlling DHEA. Same thing with cortisol. When cortisol is imbalanced, we'll look at what, what it's controlling and impacting down the line. It's impacting your thyroid because a lot of times they're competing for very similar nutrients. Cor high cortisol is very energy expensive, very mm. energy expensive in terms of B vitamins, magnesium, trace minerals. So the, getting those things in when you're more stressed is beneficial to help obviously replenish those things. But how many of us are incredibly deficient and living on chronic stress for years? Um, we see a lot of mineral stuff effect. I mean, trace minerals are so good for your thyroid. Um, and it makes sense because they're being depleted. So that's kind of how I think of that cascade. I'm like thinking of the, one of the graphics I've made in my head. Um, but I try, I think of that in like that connection, whereas, you know, the bigger hormones, insulin, blood sugar regulation, which, I mean, you look at how that ties in inflammation. Have you ever eaten like a really high carbohydrate meal and without, without balance and without protein. And you just like, you can't get your rings off. And you're like, I, my face feels puffy that's inflammation. I mean, that, that is like a very clear sign of that. And same thing with cortisol. Some people see cortisol differently. Some people feel it, you know, in their face or they lose kind of like that. They just feel puffy. Um, some people, a lot of people feel it in like their lower abdomen, that's all inflammation. And that's because those hormones are just like causing your body to hold on to more water. Your body's in a stress state. It's not going to let go of things. Um, and you know, it's obviously affecting everything else down the line. You can feel, you can see inflammation with high testosterone. I see that a lot with like bodybuilders, um, blood sugar dysregulation. Um, again, cause it's always, it's always tying back to a bigger picture. Like we can look at one of the minuscule hormones, like, you know, the, not minuscule, they're still very important, but more of like the specific sex hormones, but they're always usually tied back to another kind of top dog. Uh, estrogen, depending on, you know, how you detoxify and metabolize it, that can be very inflammatory, you know, estrogen dominance, right. That's, you know, the tender breasts and that really heavy water retention or bloating before your period. I mean, that's again, due to your estrogen, which 
could be due to cortisol, could be due to blood sugar because we become a little bit more insulin resistant second half of the cycle. So if you're following along and you're like, I don't know what she's talking about, she's just throwing out a lot of hormones. I, if we could just think of like the most important ones, insulin, cortisol, kind of driving the rest, we know our sex hormones, testosterone, estrogen, mm -hmm. progesterone, um, DHEA is kind of like a step above that. So it's kind of DHEA makes all your sex hormones. And then above that, I would say would probably be your thyroid. Um, cause your thyroid's pumping out a lot of those things, but you want everything to be balanced and focused. Um, when we're, when we're kind of thinking of, of this whole cascade, does that help? Yes. I'm taking notes here. Um, so, but basically what I think is important to note, cause you're talking about how high cortisol is very like expensive, right? So it uses up a lot of energy and a lot of nutrients, which is sort of, again, clarifying in my brain, why a lot of women could be eating right. I'm using air quotes here for the people listening, eating right, doing the right things. Um, and so they're like, but I'm eating all this good stuff. Why isn't it translating into better body composition, building muscle, feeling good. It's like maybe because your cortisol is so high that it's burning through all this stuff and you're still nutrient deficient, or you're still not getting, you know, the vitamins and minerals that you need because you're so effing stressed out, you know? So yeah. that kind of, I mean, that, yeah. And then you even get into the side tangent of, okay, well, if you're stressed, you're not digesting properly, you yeah. know, like we don't digest well in a stressed state. So you could be eating all this stuff, but if you're going, 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 eating in the car, eating while you're on your computer, it's like, you're probably not even really absorbing the hopefully good stuff that you're trying to eat anyway. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, it's totally a double-edged sword, but yeah, I mean, cortisol is a very expensive, uh, process. Mm -hmm. Um, this is kind of like a specific question, but I just, because it's another one that I get a lot and, you know, you were talking before about how a lot of symptoms like menstrual symptoms are very common, but they're not normal. Like literally in our culture, it is accepted and joked about and tolerated that you should feel emotionally crazy, that you should be in a ton of pain and that you just have mm -hmm. to deal with it. And another sort of commonly, uh, accepted symptom of being a woman that I heard a lot was that oftentimes postpartum, when your period comes back, um, it will be worse, heavier, painful, terrible. And even with my limited knowledge, I'm thinking, well, maybe that's because you're, you have a baby now and you're super stressed out and tired and you know, you're nutrient depleted <laughs> because you're breastfeeding or whatever. And that certainly makes sense. And, you know, we can't be perfect at everything all the time. But you'd like to think that as part of your recovery process and you're trying to eat really nutrient dense foods and you're trying to rest and you're trying to just get yourself sorted out again, that it's not a given that your period is going to suck after you've had a kid. But it seems anecdotally to me, just from talking to people, it seems like that's a very common thing. Um, again, mm -hmm. I've been quite fortunate that I have not experienced that. Um, and I credit that to not beating myself up and taking good care of myself and eating a lot of nutrient dense foods and high iron and magnesium and zinc and all that stuff, all that organ meats that I'm eating and stuff like that. Um, you know, my period's this uh, pretty much a non-event, you know, as you mentioned, which is the yeah. ideal thing for it to be. But do you have any insight into that? Into is, was what I'm saying probably accurate that people are just like, you're starting kind of at a disadvantage postpartum and so your period's going to be worse and you just, people just kind of deal with it. And they say, that's the way it's got to be. 
That's a good question. And I, I would agree that I would definitely agree with what you said, like me really honoring, like the stage of life that you're in and making sure you're taking time to rest and like getting as much rest, recovery nutrients as you possibly can. I also feel like it, there's a huge factor to how they were before you got pregnant. And that's why I'm a huge fan of preconception. And I consider preconception one to two years before you even want to get pregnant. I think a lot of people don't take that very seriously. And it's, and I don't, I just don't think it's as widely talked about, but I think that it's really important that one to two years before you want to have a kid is where you should be getting your period to a point where it's not debilitating and your hormones are balanced. And you're making sure that if there's things you need to detoxify from that, that's when you do it. Because there's so many people that come to me, they're like, I'm pregnant. And how do I detox? I'm like, you don't, when you're pregnant, like that, that yeah. healing and whatever you need to get rid of that needs to happen preconception. Sure. And that could be a whole nother thing because there's actually, I mean, th- there's a study that came out. I can't remember when, but it, it found like over 300 different chemicals in the placenta. And I mean, I see a huge toxic burden be hugely related to period issues. And I mean, if you're carrying that on and unfortunately passing it to baby, I mean, that's still in your system postpartum and can definitely create some of those, you know, liver burden things that are going to create estrogen dominance and some of those obviously unwanted symptoms. So I think if you want to really set yourself up for success postpartum, that's going to start years before you even want to conceive. Um, I mean, I consider myself in definitely a preconception phase. I don't know when we're going to conceive, but, uh, when we do, we're going to be like, you're ready. ready to go. Yeah. 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 And you know, I'm not worrying about, Oh shoot. I'm going to get, I want to get pregnant next month. I'm going to just detox everything. Now it's like, that's not enough time, you know, like really giving yourself the adequate time to heal. And I get some stuff happens and, you know, sometimes we just get pregnant and we weren't really planning on it and that's okay. But if you can, if you're listening to this and you're like, I know I want to have kids in the future and I want to make sure I'm not only setting them up for success, but setting myself up for success, postpartum into menopause, you know, we're, we're really long time planners here. Um, mm-hmm. but, it, but if you can really prioritize that anything down the road is going to be much more streamlined and beneficial because you took the time previously to address it. And I think looking at it, like preconception health is just health. Like I think a lot of people think like, okay, it's this big thing. Like I got to like get on the prenatal vitamins and I got to do X, Y, Z. And it's like, you know, again, I'm not an expert. I had one kid. Okay. (laughs) But I just talk (laughs) about what my experience was because I was very well researched and I did a ton of work and I really, really tried to do this the best way that I could. However, my like preconception plan was non-existent because I lived my life in a way that was supporting my health as a uh, conception age woman. So I didn't have to do a ton of stuff. I was eating, again, very nutrient dense food, organ meats that was basically a prenatal vitamin in itself. Um, And, you know, working out in a way that was conducive, like my um, hormonal health was good. Like you shouldn't have to live very differently to be healthy for conception. It should ideally be very in line with the way that you are hopefully trying to live already. Um, Yep. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I like the, it's not like it's this huge, big protocol and like extensive list. It's like, I'm just, I'm literally living my life is I'm trying to live as, as low tox as possible. You know, we're looking, you know, we've, we've done a lot of work cleaning out our house over the last few years, really try, like, cause all of that stuff is, I mean, it's a journey. And like, yeah. I just consider that a part of my health insurance, my, yeah. my longevity quality of life 
policy that I have for myself. It's like, yes, that's helping for preconception, but like, that's just also setting me up for being a better human and living longer, hopefully free of disease down the road. So I see those two definitely going together. Um, you know, if there's anything like extensive that needs to be done or like specific hormone balancing, again, that's something you want to address before hopefully you get pregnant. Um, Mm -hmm. and if you don't, I mean, there's, there's certain things that you can do that are pregnancy safe, but I mean, ideally, like you said, living as healthy of a life conducive to your hormones, your overall longevity prior is, is honestly the best way to set you up. And it goes back to, I think how historically we treat like women's health as an afterthought, you know, everyone like the medical system and women and everyone, um, it shouldn't, you shouldn't like in an ideal world, we shouldn't want to suddenly be healthy because we're carrying a child. We should want to be healthy because we deserve it. And because it's important for us and our health and how good of a human we can be in the world because we're taking care of ourselves and healthy. I hate this narrative that it's this afterthought that like, well, you know, if I have time, I'll go do some self-care or like, you know, I got to take care of these people first or else they, they won't take care of themselves or like this weird martyr women don't deserve it. It's an afterthought. I hate it. I hate it so much. And I don't think that that should be a part of it anymore. And I use the story all the time. So I'm going to tell it really quickly. Cause I know anyone who's listened to this podcast has heard it before, but when I was pregnant and I was listening to all these podcasts and nutrition podcasts, and you know, it was like these sort of plant-based nutritionists talking about the ideal, um, nutrition for a pregnant woman. And they basically said like, you know, if you're plant-based, unless you're really, really anti-meat, like if you just prefer to be plant-based, it's really a good idea to try to eat some animal protein when you're pregnant, because that's really going to support the health of the fetus and the growing baby and all this stuff. And I'm thinking like, okay, so whatever beliefs you have about eating only plants go out the window when you're building a new baby, because then it's important. But when you're supporting your own body's processes and health, like screw it, like just eat suboptimal right. stuff and kind of be unhealthy. Who cares? Cause it's just you. But when it's a baby, go be healthy and do the right thing. Like I just, I hate that concept. So I feel like if we can just all get over that together and just understand that we deserve health and we deserve to pay attention to how we feel. And it shouldn't be the fourth, fifth, 10th thing on your list. It should be first thing because you have nothing without Mm -hmm. your health. And then you can, you know, it's like the putting the, putting the air mask on you first before anybody else, like just that should be the way we feel. And I agree. Yeah. yeah, I feel strongly about that. So I'm glad there are people like you who are helping women understand that, you know? I agree. I mean, cause if you, if you don't, if you say you're a caregiver or like in my mind, like I can't best like one, be a wife or any, like a practitioner, if I'm not taken care of, because if I'm not coming to like a session with my best energy and my best health and my best focus, that's a waste of them trying to come and work with me. So I see it as not only a personal thing with my personal life, but also a professional thing, like whatever you do, whether you own your own business or not, like if you aren't a hundred percent, I mean, not saying we all need to be a hundred percent all the time, but if we're not trying to get to a hundred percent, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. I think it's the most empowering thing in the world when you like, that's why my saying is like, be the alpha of your health, because if you're not like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Or if you're not trying to, at least, what are you doing? Because mm-hmm. I, I just feel like there's no, like nobody, I don't know. You're, you're just so much more independent. You don't rely on anything because you are, you can, you can, you know how to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd like to also kind of talk about like 
And I, I, again, I'm going to preface this because I always feel like people listening are going to be like, well, until you hit menopause yourself, like you can't really talk lady. And like, I get it a little bit. Um, but I think again, from like the research and the work that I've done, we're all very bio-individual. Some people genetically, whatever, are going to be more predisposed to having a harder time, an easier time, whatever. Like what was your mom's menopause like? Like, all, you know, there's, there's factors that go into it, perhaps a little bit outside of your control, but I think a lot more of it is in our control than we think. Um, and, so much more. and I think that like having some perspective to perspective and how you feel think about aging is going to be almost as important as like the physiological reality of what's happening. So it's like this fine balance of accepting that we are getting older. We're fortunate enough to be getting older. And so we are, no matter how hard we try, we are not going to be the same at 50 as we were at 20. Um, so accepting the reality without, again, going far over to the other side and being like, well, I just give up and just whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But I say perspective because I have clients coming to me who are, you know, 50 and in great shape and crushing it. And then I have clients coming to me who, again, sort of no judgment, it's just a story, who are like, you know, I'm finding it just so much harder to, to have energy and to like, to, to build muscle now that I'm 29. And I'm like, guys, guys, come on, come on, guys, you're 29. Okay. You're very young, like subjectively, yeah. you are a young person in the prime of your life. Like to complain about it's harder now because I'm what, you're not 16, like no one's 16. Right. Okay. Like, you know, and even me, I'm in my late thirties and maybe for an elite athlete, I'm no longer in the prime of my life, but I still recognize that I'm not the same as I was when I was 22, but I can still improve. I can still be stronger than I was. I could still look better than I did 10 years ago if I if I want to. I can improve my my stress levels, my health, my sleep, all of those things. So it's all perspective, right? Because yeah, I think it's all subjective. It's like it is what you want to feel. I mean, there's been there's people who I feel like take better control of their health that are old older in quotes than people who are 20 years younger than them. And Absolutely. I mean, it's all subjective. It's all what you want to do and how you want to perceive it. Mm -hmm. So in your experience with people that you're working for, uh, or working with how common or how much information or how much are you talking about things like hormone replacement therapy for women? Because I know this is a bigger and increasingly bigger and more commonplace conversation for men. Right. And I think it's becoming mm -hmm. really quite, quite, normal and natural to discuss, um, healthy, appropriate, uh, like testosterone replacement for men as they enter their forties and fifties or whatever. But what about with women? Like, you know, women mm. who are maybe past child conceiving age and they're trying to like optimize things. Like, is that something, is that a conversation you have? Like what, what's going on there? Not, I mean, I'll have, we'll have like a conversation about it. I don't prescribe any bioidenticals or anything like that. Um, I always try to say, you know, if, if you need, and I have a lot, I have quite a few who are on it, um, because of symptom reasons. Like they just feel like, you know, I'm thinking of one example where she went on like testosterone pellets. Cause she just, she just like needed that edge that she was losing, but I'm always making sure I'm telling her, okay, this is even more important that we support your adrenals because your adrenals are making your sex hormones right now. It's not as much, but it's really important that we are making sure that as, although you're on this, we're supporting the root cause and say the caveat to that too, is like, especially for men who go on something like TRT, like 
it's sim- it's it's not the same, but it's similar to how birth control works, where it's it's a negative feedback loop, where it's it's not you aren't going to produce testosterone very well on your own if you choose to go that route. So I think of, you know, people who are on it and it's like, it kind of is almost something that if you want to maintain the benefits that it's giving you the muscle mass, et cetera, it's, it's almost kind of like you're buying into a long-term thing. So I make sure that like, it's not as much that way for like progesterone, estrogen, those types of things. Um, I'm totally open to people using like progesterone creams, especially for some of those menopausal solutions. But I mean, a lot of times, again, like I think it back, should be like a last, a last ditch. Effort. I see it as a last resort type thing. Or like yeah. if, if you need that symptom relief to have quality of life, but there's so many root reasons that you're yeah. experiencing that, that I just want to make sure like my job is to help you address those. And if that's the path you want to go, I a hundred percent support you. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, cause I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I've worked with bodybuilders who, you know, have done PEDs and I'm like, Hey, I support you. I'll do what I can. That's in my lane. Um, but at the end of the day, like kind of, here's the informed consent around all that, you know, Mm -hmm. and you are, you are taking risks. Like, I think there is a difference between again, like a 45 year old man who's experiencing very natural declines in testosterone, who wants to kind of like boost it up a little bit through the help of a doctor versus a 21 year old guy who wants to be as big as he possibly can. And is taking a bunch of HGH or whatever. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably going to be a problem for you later on down the road. It's not as big of an issue, I suppose, with women. Although again, as you know, in the bodybuilding world, I mean, it is just chock full of PDs. Like people don't think, that, Oh like, yeah. It's a 115 pound bikini competitor is taking gear and like they're taking a lot of it most oh, of they are. probably. So, Oh, they are. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, and nice. it's crazy too, because like, I will be like, you don't have any of like, you don't have acne, you don't have hair growth. Like, wow. Like they, I mean, they've gotten to a point where like, there's so many ways that you can mix and match these P I mean, PEDs is a whole, yeah, a whole separate subject. But I mean, especially kind of going back to the informed consent, like like, if someone's going to prescribe bioidenticals, like, especially for a 45 year old guy, make sure, what are your vitamin D levels at? Like, do you Mm. weight train? Like, do you get out in the sun? Do you do like these simple things? Cause I feel like those are natural ways to boost your test that if you're not doing those things, like that should be kind of first, yes. you know, or I don't, you know, but yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Like that's a totally different situation than a 21 year old that just wants to be dra- jacked and shredded. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, just, you know, eat some more and work out and put, put your time in. That's my old lady yeah. opinion. But anyway, <laughs> let's bring it back around here because we're getting, we're getting close to an hour. This has been like, we can talk forever, but let's kind of talk again about more high level, the woman who's listening, who's 45, who's like, I just do not have the body composition I want. And I feel like I'm trying everything to recap. We've talked about a couple things we have talked about. This is unhelpful for the 45 year old, but it's helpful for the 25 year old, which is do it right now. Don't wait until Mm -hmm. you're 40 to take care of yourself, eat properly, eat enough. Don't stress yourself out. Don't do chronic cardio. Don't kill yourself with workouts 12 days a week. Like just try to be as, you know, sort of reasonable and balanced and sustainable as you can take care of yourself. Don't kill yourself. That's one thing. Um, stress management and look, we all have stressful lives. Sometimes you're a caregiver. Sometimes you have a very stressful job. You might work shift work. Like we're talking about within the context of your life, there are always things you can be doing to help that balance, Mm -hmm. to bring that cortisol down, um, relatively speaking. Right. Um, yeah proper weight training, proper nutrition. What are some other things? I think you said, you know, like vitamin D is probably a big one getting out in the sun. What are some other 
things that maybe some of these people aren't seeing or thinking about because they're so focused on, am I working out enough? You know, whatever. I would, okay. So kind of to go off of like the don't kill yourself portion, like if you are trying to like increase mindful movement, but that's soothing to your adrenals, try adding in more walks instead of like the Pelotons, the hits, the orange theories that if that's not working for you, like you need more low impact. And honestly, walking is one of the best fat tools, but also it is the one thing that will just clear my mind. Like if I've had a stressful day, maybe I'll throw on a podcast. Maybe I won't. It's not only therapeutic, it's very low impact, but it's great for fat burning. So it's not that you just have to be a couch potato or not do anything. You could just be smart about your movements. If you didn't sleep really good, we didn't even talk about sleep, but that's so important because how many people are waking up multiple times in the night? If you're waking up multiple times in the night to pee, a lot of times that's an adrenal thing. So mm. obviously if you're chugging a bunch of water before bed, like ideally, yes, you should not be getting up to pee. And especially if you're getting up between one and three, that's usually your liver. So little tidbits, like we could have totally, we could have yeah, a whole nother me, hour talk, on that. Talk to me more about that. Not in an hour though. What does that mean? Cause I didn't know that. Like <laughs> if you're, I mean, I, I understand that if people are stressed out, they're going to be more likely to have like, you know, have these like wake cycles and at night and stuff, but what, what is the liver and the adrenals and waking up and peeing in the middle of the night thing? How is that connected? So I almost always see it between one and three, almost always. Like, I'm like, what time do you wake up? And I'm waiting for them to say like one, two, three, like I'm waiting for it. Cause I know that that's almost when it is. Cause that's when your liver is like really dumping and like detoxifying is between one and three in the night. So if that's waking you up, okay, maybe we need to show your liver some love. Um, but again, like your adrenals are kind of dealing with like that water balance. So when those are when your adrenals are and your cortisol is kind of taking over that water mineral balance can be thrown off. So that's kind of causing again, you to wake up, which it is somewhat normal to kind of like mini wake up in between your sleep cycles. It should be to the point where you don't even really notice it. Um, and it's not causing you to be awake. It's not causing you to get up and move or, you know, look and stare at the alarm clock. So sleep is just incredibly important. I, I feel like a good balance is anywhere between seven to nine hours. Um, I really don't like any less than seven. I feel like that's a good range, but like some people go to seven and they're like, if I do eight, I'm, it's too much. Or if I do nine, it's too much. Or if I do seven, it's too little. So find what works for you. But like, if you don't get good sleep, your blood sugar that next day can be that of a pre-diabetic. So think about how many people are like compromising their sleep, waking up in the morning to just crush it some more and like hit that 5am CrossFit class. And they got six hours of sleep and it's like, you're and burning they're your drinking four, four cups of coffee to do it. Cause they're exhausted and stressed out. Yeah. It, yeah. It just it, like, I think sleep is an incredibly pr- crucial piece. And I feel like, especially in menopause that if they're having the hot flat, like that, can, that is, I feel like what becomes most compromised in a lot of people, or they're most willing to give that up. Whereas honestly, that is my non-negotiable. I get seven to nine hours. If I don't get that, I don't work out you know, or I'll find other pockets during the day to move, but like, I'm just not willing to burn my candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I notice, oh, I am waking up in the middle of the night, you know, are you, are you drinking alcohol or like, does alcohol make you have hot? Like all these different things can be affecting your sleep, which again, that could be a whole separate podcast. Yes. Yeah. I'm thinking about a bunch of questions that could be a whole separate podcast, (laughs) but, but again, sort of like rapid fire, um, nutritionally. Now we know that again, 
different people thrive on different protocols. I think we know that generally speaking, like enough protein is absolutely crucial. Um, enough fat is absolutely crucial mm -hmm. and carbs, oh gosh, yes. carbs to varying extents are going to be important mm -hmm. and probably more important for more women than we've been led to believe recently. Right. Like I think there yep. is kind of like a more recent narrative that's like, you don't need carbs and everyone can survive and you should probably shouldn't have carbs unless you're just shredded, whatever. Like that's not really, doesn't really apply to a lot of women. I think in generally like some moderate carb intake, that's, you know, something you can digest and that makes you feel good and mm -hmm. timed around workouts, all that stuff. Like that's a whole other thing. However, like, is there, is there some kind of generally accepted information you can give these women who maybe are prone to restricting calories, um, information around like the importance of fat or carbs and of course protein and how to like think about that as they're putting their meals together. Cause a lot of these women aren't women who are sitting around eating too much junk food. If anything, they're just not eating enough food period. So like, what can we tell them to mm -hmm. remind them that like this stuff is important for hormonal health? Yeah. So, I mean, to tie it all back to hormones, I mean, all of those are essential. Like proteins help are the building blocks for a lot of hormones. Fats are the building blocks for a lot of hormones, fat and cholesterol help to make your DHEA. So remember in that pyramid, we talked about DHEA makes all of your sex hormones. I mean, think about all these low fat diets that people go on. I really don't like to see women low fat ever. I mean, yeah. I, I eat what some bodybuilders eat in a day and one meal. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not a flex, but like, that's, that's just to kind say of. like how yeah. much, how kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like how little they're eating and, and same with carbohydrates, yeah. carbs, we have kind of come to like demonize them, but carbs are so essential, especially when you're making progesterone after you ovulate, they are incredibly important for making sure that progesterone continues to rise, whether you want to be pregnant or not, because when that progesterone rises, you're getting all the good benefits of progesterone, the skin benefits the metabolism benefits. I mean, your metabolism can increase pretty significantly in the second phase of your cycle. So if you're craving a little bit more intake, like don't restrict yourself, not saying like go balls to the wall, but like, I think that we need to be listening to our bodies a little bit more and in terms of like how to build your plate. I'd say, you know, aim for like 30 to 50 grams of protein have, you know, a serving, which I tend to be like a fist maybe of carbs, especially if it's like in and around your workout seasonal, um, ones that you can digest minimally processed that do well with you, you know, digestive, you don't feel crappy. And then I, in terms of fat, I mean, I, I have, I always have a good hefty portion of fat, whether mm -hmm. it's grass fed butter, avocados, eggs, um, beef fat. I try, I tend to lean towards like the animal fats because of how high they are. And, um, you know, potentially vitamin a, all of those essential minerals are just really, they're easy to digest and they're natural. Delicious they're just too. naturally occurring and they're delicious. Yeah. Um, we do not ever have a shortage of butter in this house because, um, yeah, we go through a lot of it, but yeah. I mean, think about it. There's such an increase in satiety because you're not restricting in any form. Um, you're getting so many more minerals and bioavailable vitamins that like, you don't need to be surfing your pantry after shoving a bunch of processed low void yeah. nutrient foods because you have everything on your plate. Yeah. Um, so I guess I see that a lot. Like when people are having cravings, like, did you have enough fat in that meal? Did you have enough protein? Are you eating any carbs? Because if you don't have carbs, your body's mineral balance can be off. So like doing carbs that work for you, that could be sweet potato. That could be, I mean, fruits, I mean, literally anything. I mean, start any type of starchy vegetable grains, if you do okay, like races and things like that, if you tolerate mm -hmm. them, like it looks a little bit different for everybody. We all like and tolerate different things, 
but don't be afraid of food because if we have not drilled anything in, hopefully it is, please stop overstressing your body. Because if you do it, it's not trying to work against you. It is just trying to help you. Like if, if you are at a stall, it's not to just keep pushing and pounding harder because it's not, it's, it's, it's a, it's a kind of like a check engine light. It's like, please stop before I completely combust. Like I will gain more weight or I will be more inflamed or I will, I will stop with your cycle if you don't stop and listen to me. So they're all check engine lights that I just want really encourage people to just listen to those a little bit more. I love that. I think that's a great wrap up. It's the idea of just like, stop fighting so hard. You know, we're taught because in the fitness industry tells you it's like no rest days and sleep when you're dead and like grind harder and sweat is just, you. it could not be worse for your hormones. Yeah. It could not be worse. Just treat your body the way you treat someone else you love, like support it and like love it and give it a break and be nice to it. And like, I was just saying in a like recent podcast with Rachel and I, I'm like, one of my 2023 goals is just to like incorporate more chill vibes into my life at all times, mm-hmm. because I am a high strung person. I, I can relate to a lot of these people because I'm like that. I feel like I'm getting better mm-hmm. with age and motherhood and all of these things. I'm like definitely less hardcore and I I've learned my lessons, but my personality is just high strung. So like, I'm like, you know, I'm looking at your, I think it's like your salt lamp back there. I'm like, turn on a salt lamp, like turn on like yeah, a non-toxic like candle, like put on some chill music, turn the lights down a little bit, like just wherever you can. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be an hour of meditation every night. It's just like, if you're sitting in your office, like do something that just brings it down a little, or like when you're making your food, like just, just chill vibes, guys, it, it, little things add up little things because that's what can make it sustainable. It's not like this huge project. It's like, oh, you know, I'm going to do a little bit of breath work before I eat this meal or, you know what, let me turn down some of this harsh artificial lighting and just like make it comfy, cozy, like put on like a a little bit of self-care goes a long way. Absolutely. And we deserve it. So treat yourself. We deserve it. All right, Haley, I appreciate you. You're going to have to come on again because we kind of scratched the surface, but I think, I think this is (laughs) like, I think that, and I mean, people can work with you if they, if they want some more in-depth information, but I think that this is the kind of message, the podcast that I hope the people who are asking me these questions listen and they just, they just really hear it. They really hear it and just say, you know what, this makes me a little uncomfortable. You need to hear it again. Yeah. Listen to as many times as you need to. Maybe it makes you uncomfortable. Maybe you think that sounds woo woo and stupid, but maybe just try it anyway. Just, just try it. And, uh, you might be surprised at what, what you get. Um, so where can folks go if they want to maybe work with you, if they want to learn some more, um, where can they go? So I'm most active on Instagram at Dr. Haley Schaff. Um, and then I have a podcast, Alpha Health and Wellness Radio that you were on tons of episodes there on like hormone health, really diving into a lot of this stuff. Um, and then my website, drhaleyshoff.com, if you want to kind of see what we're all about. Um, and by we're, I mean me, um, because I'm the only person I know I said we're <laughs> me and my dog, who's my logo. Love um, it. You can see what we're about, but yeah. So I, I mean, I love what I do and I love opportunities like this where, I mean, again, like we gave you hopefully so much tangible things that you can kind of start really putting into your lifestyle and seeing how it works. I mean, and it's going to take more than just listening to the podcast. You have to obviously implement it, which is, is work, but I can tell you from firsthand and, you know, with people that I work with, I mean, this stuff is so important. It works. 
It works. All right, Haley, thank you so much for your time and uh, happy new year. And we'll do it again sometime. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. 